And now, here they are, the Beatles! Hi, I'm Justin Shears, and welcome to Only a Northern Song. In this series, I'll be exploring the words and the music of the Beatles, but not through the usual tracks that we all know so well. I'll be delving into my extensive collection of outtakes, home recordings and demos, alternate mixes and interviews, to shed some new light on lesser-known aspects of the Beatles' recorded legacy. It's an open message to the Australians. Take one. Hello, Australia! Hello, Australia. This is John Lennon of the Beatles here. I hope you're all having a great time over there. This is Paul speaking. We're hoping to come over soon and visit Australia. This is George. That's if you move it a few thousand miles nearer. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> that was Ringo, folks. <laughs> well, what can I say? And goodbye you know, to all of us. <laughs> well, this is Ringo. Everyone seems to have said everything here, so I'll just sign off by saying cheerio and best of luck from the Beatles. Messages to Australia from the Beatles. Hello, Bob Rogers in Australia. This is John Lennon of the Beatles here in London. We believe you've been playing our records. Yeah, Bob, this is Paul here, and we'd like to thank you very much for playing them and keep going, pal. Yeah, this is George, Bob. Just like to say, we hope our current release goes as well in Australia as it has done over here in England. This is Ringo. I'd just like to say we've heard such a lot about your country that I can't wait to get out there and see you all. I got news for you, baby. Leave you here in misery. For the Beatles, the first half of 1964 can only be described as hectic. With filming and recording for A Hard Day's Night now complete, the group embarked on their first and only journey to Australia and New Zealand, stopping off for shows in Denmark, the Netherlands and Hong Kong along the way. With Ringo ill with tonsillitis and therefore not able to travel with the band for the first stage of this Far East odyssey, drumming duties fell to Londoner Jimmy Nickel, whose hastily arranged audition at Abbey Road Studios on the 3rd of June, which we heard in our last episode, sealed his seat on the plane and his spot in Beatles history the very next day. Cars come well, cobbers. <laughs> we believe. We just like right. to say, but before we go, we just like, like to, to say, say but, but, all but together fun. now. Tammy kangaroo down sport. Tammy kangaroo down bunnies. Tammy kangaroo down sport. Tammy kangaroo down cobbers. And we'll see you all. We're coming there in 19, 19, 19th of June, I think. No, the 12th I wrote today. Oh, well, it might be the 12th, or it might be... We get it mixed up, but it's in the... It's, it's sometime at the end of June, <laughs> and we're coming out, so... 
I hope you all come and see us. Yeah. And buy the book, remember that. You might <laughs> like it, but... I'm fine for buying all our records yeah, and making them all big hits, and thank yes, you. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you, thank you. Oh, and in oh, fact, here it is. Now. We'll be... If you live in Adelaide, we'll be playing there on June the 12th or the 13th. Melbourne, the 15th, 16th, 17th. Shut up. I'm helping. Okay, well, don't put in... Don't put in... Don't put in... Okay. Don't be hiding behind a bush. Anyway, anyway, we're going to Sydney, 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 flying to Auckland, 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 Christchurch, Christchurch, or then we're either playing at Christchurch or Dundin, Dunedin or something, Wellington, Wellington again, fly to Brisbane, 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 who's got the ball? In fact, I think we're going to New Zealand as well. That's not in Australia, though. No, but it's sort of that. just off the... When I took in geography, it was just sort of things that were... What, what the... Reefs, reefs, reefs and reefs. Reefers. Reef, <laughs> yeah, they've got reefers all off the west coast, haven't they? No, off the pun. Hey, the only thing I remember, <laughs> wasn't there all sort of Russia hanging over the top of Australia? No, that's... Open, open, no, that, what's that? That's uh, Singapore. Okay, if you like, kind me kangaroo down, boy. Kindy kangaroo. Oh, we better go now. Happy Christmas! The first stop on this 27-day world tour was Denmark, with two shows in Copenhagen on the 4th of June, each to a capacity crowd of 4,400 people. This would be Jimmy Nichols' baptism of fire with his new, albeit temporary, band. The new day brought a new country. The 5th and the 6th of June saw the Beatles head to the Netherlands with a television performance and two live shows in an auction hall in Blocker, a town 40 kilometres north of Amsterdam, being their only duties. On arrival in Amsterdam, the Beatles were yet again asked to introduce themselves to their latest live audience. You're John Lennon, aren't you? Yes, that's me, John Lennon. John Lennon. What do you think of the reception here in Holland? Very good, it was. Very, Very good. good, yes. Is it comparable to Copenhagen? Yes, it is. What do you think of Copenhagen? It's beautiful. Beautiful city? Beautiful Copenhagen. Wonderful world is gone. Yes, it's here. Copenhagen. And this is George. Um, Paul McCartney. Paul yes. McCartney. Made a mistake again, hey? No, no, I never make a mistake <laughs> no. again. Thank you. Good. Thank you. You're a left-handed guitar player too? Yes, it's actually it's done by mirrors. By mirrors? If you watch me in that mirror, I'm right-handed. You're right-handed. It's amazing, really. <laughs> And the next is Jimmy. Jimmy. How does it feel to, to travel with royalty? Marvellous. Marvellous. Yeah, very good. Had you yeah. expected a reception like that? I haven't seen anything like that before. No. Oh. Are you going uh, on with the Beatles to the Far East? It's not settled yet. Not settled yet? No. Depends no. on uh, Ringo's yeah. health. Yeah, it depends on whether All right. he, he makes it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the last one? Hello. Hello. Hello, you think you can keep that up, that tremendous success you have? I don't know. You're trying hard, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> OK. Thank you very much. Thank you. After returning briefly to London for a connecting flight, the Beatles touched down in Hong Kong on the 9th of June, ready to play two houses at the 1700-seater Princess Theatre in Kowloon. Although Beatlemania had certainly reached this outpost of the British Empire, neither of the shows were sold out. The promoter had set an exorbitant price of 75 Hong Kong dollars, or roughly £4 per ticket, without the knowledge of Beatles manager Brian Epstein. 
On board with the Beatles as they made their way to Australia was Sydney disc jockey Bob Rogers, for whom the Beatles had recorded personalised messages heard at the top of this episode. Rogers would shadow the group for the rest of the tour, finding moments to chat and interview the Fab Four during their stay in Australia and New Zealand. In this rare interview, Rogers asks the lads what they'll be expecting when they land in Australia and what shopping in Hong Kong was like. Did you hear any Chinese singing? Uh, no. To Walsing Matilda, here are the Beatles. Uh, Walsing Matilda, the Walsing Matilda, Matilda with me. Don't ask me what a jumbuck is, I don't know. Oh, we know what a Frank Highfield is, though, don't we? Ah, and the Scobber. We can get her down. Scobber. Now, what are you going to do whilst you're in Australia? Uh, play tiny kangaroo dance. Uh, <laughs> are you yeah. going to be able to get out, or are you going to have to be locked in your rooms all well, the time? Well, we don't really know until we get to wherever yeah. we're going. We don't expect to get out anyway. If we do, it's a lucky, you know. If we do, it's a lucky. It's a lucky. <laughs> That's same me. You can't go on living in a prison like this all your life. Well, it won't last all our lives, will it? Uh, how long do you think it'll last? Well, don't ask me that, but <laughs> we know it won't last all our lives, so that's enough. And uh, Paul, you bought a Chinese suit. Yes, that's true. Did Two. You? Did you? Yes. How much did you pay for them? It wasn't very dear. About, about ten quid, I think. I thought being the Beatles, they charge you twice as much. Did you have a chance to barter with the men? Yeah, oh, it was great, actually, because somebody said, uh, you've got you to gotta haggle and get them down, get the prices down, so uh, I did. It was quite good. Some little fellow was selling... Uh, some ornaments, and he wanted $160 for them. No, he was sending a watch, that's it. He wanted 160 Hong Kong dollars for it. So I kept saying to him, uh, no, it's not right, not right. $100, that's right, do you know? Anyway, he got him down to $100. It's probably worth about $30, mind you, but... Uh, you want to buy anything in Australia? Yes, definitely. Anything what? Like what? Uh, anything particular. I, I don't know. I think everyone who goes to Australia buys a boomerang, don't they? I think I'll skip that one. It's a bit... bit uh, don't fancy it. There's not much chance to use it in London. After a brief stop in Darwin in the Northern Territory to refuel, the Beatles' plane made its way to Sydney's mascot airport, touching down in cold, pouring winter rain around 7.30am on the 11th of June and were rewarded with glimpses of the Beatles as they clung to the back of a flatbed truck to be paraded past their fans and the awaiting media, getting soaked to the bone in the process. Beatles are just pulling up in front of us now. We're about five feet from them. Uh, the DCA car leading is just passing us now. There are the Beatles. The boys right in front of us. That's a boy. That ain't Paul. Australia, fellas. That ain't Paul. Hello, Paul. Hello, John. There's Paul screaming out, I'm sick as he went past. Once inside, dried out, and given the opportunity to catch up on some sleep after their long-haul flight, the Beatles gave their first ever press conference in Australia and were greeted by the usual questions about haircuts and money and fame from a Beatles-hungry local media. But there were a few questions, at least, with a distinctly Australian flavour. I'm sorry that the weather was so shocking. It could not have been worse. Well, it's different, isn't it? <laughs> you know. is, it is it like that in Liverpool? No, I've never... Not, not as hard as that rain. I've never seen that except in Tahiti. What? Rain in Tahiti? Yeah, it rained uh, a couple of days when we first got there. I thought it was the end of the world. It was like a monsoon. What? 
how, how did you feel about getting wet through like that? I mean, that was a great well, thing it was, to do for your fans. It, we were having hysterics, laughing. It was so funny coming to Australia and getting on a big van, all soaking wet, you know. And uh, at least the, the kids got wet for hours, you know. So we only got wet for about a quarter of an hour, which is not much compared to that, is it? What upset me, John, was the fact you were wearing those new coachman oh, coats yeah. or batwing coats for the first time. Right. must be ruined. They're not, actually. We got them pressed as soon as we got in. They're all right. The Hong Kong tailoring is all right, then? Well, he was an Indian, actually. Paul, uh, what was it like out there on, on the tarmac? Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a pity, actually, because I was thinking, well, showing off my flash suit, but it uh, just got soaked through. Say something for the Australians. Hello, cover. How's Wagga Wagga? That's all I can say. Didgeridoo and all that. Thank you, John Lennon. Paul, you're probably the lady killer beetle. Uh, what, what is your impression of the Australian ladies? Very nice. Why are you always surrounded by the ladies? Um, I'm chatting them up. What does chatting them up mean? Fun. What does chatting them up mean? It's a pommy expression. You're in Australia, mate. We invented the language. What are you talking about? Uh, what, the Liverpudlians invented it? Or desecrated well, no. it? That's British chaps. Oh, yeah. Yes. Jimmy's a Cockney. Well, not a Cockney, but very nearly. Yes, I live in London. Um, I wasn't born under the um, sound of Bow Bells, but um, I come from a place called Barnes, which is about six miles outside of London. We found some of your cousins you're going to meet later in the day, and I hope uh, you'll you? find... Yeah. Oh, that's marvellous. I I'm hope you'll find some more relatives while you're here. Yeah, so do I. What would you like especially to do while you're in Australia? Well, um, this outback. You know, I've heard of this word outback, and it's I'd like to... open spaces. Is it? Yeah, oh, that's what it means. Yeah, yeah I fancy going there. <laughs> You'll have a little what trouble getting there, I think, because it's a long way out back, you see. Is it? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to buy any camel seats, is it? Camel seats you bought? No, I, um, I bought a camel seat in Bangkok, yes. I want some... Uh, Kangaroo seats. No, I'm putting you on. <laughs> yeah, you're putting me on. Some of those things that go... Well, the boomerangs, that's boomerangs. right, yes, and some spears and things, you know. All right, and I hope like a boomerang you will come back, Jimmy. Oh, so do I. John, Paul and Jimmy with 2SM disc jockey Bob Rogers. Sydney fans would need to wait an entire week to see their idols in concert. The brief stopover in Sydney was so that the Beatles could make a connecting flight to Adelaide, a city that had organised an 80,000 name petition to get the Beatles to play there in the first place, as they had been originally left off the itinerary. As their plane touched down on the 12th of June, there were, unusually, no fans to greet them, only because they'd not been allowed access to the airport. However, the Beatles were about to be greeted by the largest public reception they would ever receive anywhere in the world. For a city whose population was only around 680,000 in 1964, an estimated 200,000 people almost one in three, lined the road from the airport to the city centre where the Fab Four would appear on the balcony of the town hall to be welcomed by thousands of adoring fans. Here's the situation in the town hall balcony. It's absolutely magnificent. Can we have a little quiet, please? Would you like the boys to talk to you and say a few words if it's possible? A police officer said here a moment there'd be at least 30,000 people in front of the town hall area. This is something that's never been seen in Adelaide before. It's absolutely magnificent. Can we have a little bit of quiet, please, and we can talk to each one?
What can I say? Quiet, please. Quiet. George Harrison, everybody. What do you think of the reception, George? It's marvelous. Hello! Hello! It's fabulous. It's the best reception ever. Best reception ever. Jimmy, Jimmy Nickel, who's taken the place of Ringo Starr. Jimmy Nickel, everybody. Jimmy, how do you feel with the concert tonight and this fabulous crowd? No, this is the best I've ever seen anywhere in the world. Yeah. Jimmy Nickel, Jimmy, you're from Jimmy, you're from London, aren't you? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Have, have you heard about Ringo and his how he's getting on? Well, I think he's getting a bit better now. Yeah. That's good. John. Well. As you know, John, Adelaide's only got a million people in the whole state, and I think it's the... They're all here, though, aren't they? <laughs> Are you happy with this reception? Yeah, it's definitely the best we've ever been to. It's great. <laughs> Marvellous. John, were you happy with your flight down from Sydney? Yeah, it was very good. We had a good flight. <laughs> Paul McCartney! Paul, yeah. I think everybody loves the whole Beatles, and Paul, I don't think anybody, anything else can be said about Paul McCartney. Uh, it's just that, you know, they'd like you to say hello, that's all, I think. Hello, everybody. How are you? All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's marvelous. Did, did you have a good trip over from Sydney? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. But this is, this is fantastic. Thank you. This is Bob Rogers in Adelaide, and I'm in the dressing room of the Beatles in the South Australian Hotel. They have just made an appearance out on the balcony. Paul. Hello, Bob. How are you doing? Would well, you say I'm that... I'm in the Beatles room now, and I was just out on the balcony before, and there were three or four people outside there. <clears throat> None of them waving. <laughs> I would. How many would you say were there, John? About four million, I reckon. Actually, I'd say between five and ten million. I wouldn't like to count them. And hundreds of them in have been there all day. Is, does this happen? In a bin. In a bin all day. Oh, hundreds of them in a bin in all day. Hey, what did you think of the reaction of the crowd here in Adelaide? Great. You know, that's all you can say. People give it. It's marvellous it was. You know. It was wild, man. Wild, baby. Wild, baby. Woo! Listen, can we get this telegram in? Oh, yes. See, there's a telegram here that says... Did you see Welcome Beatles nearing landing? Reply, Julie Hodgkinson, Thayer Barton, The Barton, The Barton Girls Technical High School. Oh, we did see it. So we want to thank you all. We saw it out of the plane just as we were coming in, in the schoolyard, and we saw you all jumping up and down. And you, we were waving, but you couldn't see us. So thanks very much. You know, the, these girls in the school got a big piece, I don't know, material or something, and it had Welcome and Beatles written on two big pieces. They laid it out in the schoolyard because they couldn't get to see us. You know, just in case anyone's wondering where it was. So thank you, girls. Thank you. I see in this morning's paper that some uh, 200 schoolgirls staged a sit-down strike at lunchtime yesterday because they were not allowed to listen to the Beatles broadcast of their arrival on their transistor radios. Did you hear about that? No, I read also that, that we were only 220 yards away and they weren't allowed out, but some people are like that. Never mind. 
The Beatles played their first four Australian shows at the Centennial Hall, part of Adelaide's showgrounds. 50,000 applications for the 12,000 tickets had been received. Although many fans would have been disappointed not to be part of the crowd, they did at least get to hear one of the shows on radio, recorded with the special permission of Brian Epstein in exchange for a sizable fee. Now you're going to be, you're going to be a good audience, aren't you? You're not going to do silly things like they do overseas and everything. Please stay right where you are. Scream after the numbers. Please, let's hear them sing. What can you say? Wait, wait, I want complete silence. Complete silence. Shh. Complete silence. You can't say anything else. But ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles. Something I wanna hold you. I wanna hold 
everybody. Hello. How are you? Hello. Good. Well, first of all, we'd like to say that we'd like to thank everybody for the marvelous welcome we've had to Adelaide. Thank you. Marvelous. We'd like to carry on with a song which we recorded not very long ago. The song is called All My Loving. Close your eyes and I kiss you Tomorrow I'll miss you Remember I'll always be true And when I'm away I'll ride home every day And I'll send all my love to you I'll pretend that I'm kissing The lips I'm missing Remember I'll always be true I am the one 
next song, next song we'd like to do is one I think you know. It's called She Loves You. She loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. She loves you, yeah. As the Beatles were entertaining their Adelaide audiences, Ringo was making his way from London to join the group again in Melbourne. Having recovered sufficiently to make the long flight via San Francisco, Ringo touched down in Melbourne on the 14th of June, raring to get behind his kid again. As expected, the fans were there to greet him. A grey streak through his hair. And here he is, yes. <laughs> and he's standing at there, smiling, that muffin. Hair, tousled hair, all over his face. Coming down that, that face, I suppose, is probably <laughs> more famous than any other face in the world. He and the rest of the Beatles, he's being escorted down to the, uh, to the cars. Appears to be a, a, an enclosed car, which is understandable considering the fact that he is um, uh, just recuperating from a sickness. Uh, but uh, we've been assured that he will uh, drive along past the fans that have lined the, uh, the uh, fencing here. Uh, perhaps my estimate of the crowd was under, perhaps it's about 1,500 to 2,000. It could well be by now, too. Well, he's gone up the line of uh, fans at about 5 or 10 miles an hour. Whether or not he'll return and come back, it's rather difficult to say. It looks to me as if... It's, that's it. It looks to me as if 
They're off on the way back to the hotel. The rest of the Beatles arrived soon after, and the Fab Four were back together again. A great hour of expectancy. The crowd has sort of reached a stage of hush now. There's, there's barely a sound. They're screaming now. There it is. There's the first one. Paul McCartney, I think. John George. Jimmy. Jimmy Nichols, who's their stand-in drummer. And there they go. They're mounting the, uh, mounting the special truck. Paul McCartney. Who's the next one? That's Jimmy Nichols, number three. George. George behind. And Jimmy. John's got the dark glasses on. Maybe John's had himself pretty uh, happy sort of time over in Adelaide. But uh, there they are. They're sort of looking, uh, I think, very happy about this welcome. It's a cold wind here. At least it's not raining. But my goodness, it's a freezing wind. And you can see there as they stand huddled in their coats that they're probably feeling the full effects of, uh, of this uh, very chilly wind. The usual scenes of chaos ensued as the band made their way from the airport to the Southern Cross Hotel and yet another balcony appearance. Thank you very much and welcome to uh, Melbourne. John Lennon, Ringo Starr, here he is. Paul McCartney, you do. George Harrison, and for the first time, five Beatles, Jimmy Nickel, who will be leaving us tomorrow, who's done marvellous work during the temporary brief but very grave illness of Ringo Starr. Very grave, <laughs> so grave. A historic and never to be repeated moment, with all five Beatles in the same room. The following day saw the departure of Jimmy Nickel back to London, his mission now complete. Sadly, there were no fans to mob him. Instead, he sat a lonely figure in the airport waiting lounge, accompanied only by manager Brian Epstein and a few pressmen. What do you feel you're taking back with you apart from experience? Um, oh, damn, that's a hard question. <laughs> Money in the bank. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do you have any change of plans in mind as a result of this experience of working with the Beatles? Uh, well, I hope to do something, um, you know, something that I want to do. What do you mean by something you would want to do? Maybe earn enough money to study in America. Because that's what I want to do, study drums in America, music, and learn to arrange. The Beatles manager, Brian Epstein, is here with you this morning to say farewell. And I'd like to bring him on camera because I know he would like to say a word before you leave. I'd just like to say to you, Jimmy, that the Beatles and I are really very, very grateful for everything that you've done. You've carried out a fine job for us. We're very pleased. I hope you have a great trip back to London and every success to you in the future. Thank you very much, Brian. With Ringo back in the fold, the usual rounds of press conferences and interviews continued ahead of the Beatles' six shows over three nights in Melbourne's Festival Hall, which accommodated 7,500 fans per show. While six shows in three nights sounds like a lot by today's standards, let's not forget that the Beatles' live set at this time was a little over 30 minutes long, and occasionally played at a faster tempo if they weren't enjoying themselves. Following his illness, Ringo had been advised by doctors not to sing, so their already short set was truncated even further to just 10 songs. The last of these shows was filmed for television, thus preserving an important moment in the Beatles' touring career. 
song we'd like you to help us out will you help us oh jolly good just it's that easy all you got to do is sort of clap your hands clap your hands clap your hands oh yes yes very good yeah anyway join in you know do what you feel like the numbers go the numbers go Come buy me love. I can't buy me
much indeed. Um, well, the next number will have to be our last number for tonight. So, yes. Oh, yes. So, before we go, we'd like to say um, to all of you here tonight, and to everybody who's sort of come along to see us on this tour, we'd like to say thank you all very much for coming along. It was lovely. Thank you. Thank you very much. And, and we hope we hope that you've been we hope you've enjoyed the show tonight. Have you enjoyed it? Cool. Yeah. That's it. One more thing. It's very nice for all of us to have back with us now, Ringo. So, we'll see you, and this is this song, an old record, but it's a new recording for us. We'd like to finish off with Little Richard's Long Tall Sally. A late morning flight on the 18th of June carried the Beatles from Melbourne to Sydney for six shows, again over three nights, at the Sydney Stadium, a 12,000-seat venue usually reserved for boxing matches. But the Sydney DJs had something special in store for Paul upon his arrival. Happy birthday to you! Happy birthday to you! Happy birthday Happy birthday, Paul. On behalf of 2SM, our listeners and all the good guys, we present you with this kangaroo to take back and remember uh, your trip to Australia. Thank you very much.
No, really lovely. A better kangaroo I've yet to see. And this card is truly wonderful, fantastic. No idea how I'm going to get back to England, but uh, it's great. I love it. Uh, Paul, from all 2SM listeners and everybody in Sydney, a very happy birthday. We're honoured that you celebrated your 22nd with us. Thank you, Bob. New Zealand was next on the agenda, and Bob Rogers again accompanied the Beatles on their flight across the Tasman, catching up with each member of the group about what they were expecting in New Zealand, shopping, souvenirs, family reunions, and things that some members of the crowd threw at Beatles concerts. Now you're in New Zealand, what are you looking forward to seeing? I don't know. Have a look at a couple of Maoris, I suppose. Has anybody told you about these tikis that you have uh, souvenirs of? Yeah, well, we saw some in Tahiti, the tiki gods. And I, I don't know if these are going to be the same. Actually, John and I ordered two six-foot-high tiki gods made out of wood, two each. How are you going to get them home? Well, we ordered them in Tahiti and asked some fella to post them. <laughs> so we don't know if they've got there yet. John, you looking forward to seeing your Aunt Mimi again? Uh, yes, I don't know whether I'll see her on this trip because the place she's staying at, she said, is miles away. Will she be going back with you? Uh, I don't think from this trip, no, she's joining her at Sydney, you know, or Eric or Dave, somewhere like that. John, what's your reaction to the Australian trip? It was marvellous. Well worth the trip, and we hope to come back. What about, uh, correct. What about the uh, circular stage at Sydney Stadium? Well, it was a bit off-putting the first half of the first night. You know, you don't know what's happening. You keep going one way and then going there, but you get used to it after a couple of days. Ringo, uh, we see that Jimmy Nichols had a lucky break back home. What do you think about that? Well, he's having quite a few lucky breaks. All the best to him. Good old Jimmy. So what do you think about this kiwi that's been given to you? What kiwi? That thing they gave you when we got on the plane. That big monster. Marvellous. That's a kiwi. That's a nearly extinct uh, New Zealand bird. Well, they're not that big, really, are they? No, they're about ten inches tall. Oh, well, this is uh, a big I knew it was a kiwi because it started polishing my shoes. Uh, <laughs> Paul singing in back. Yeah, that's Paul singing at the back. And well, now you know about the tiki's, these traditional symbols. Yeah, we've got one actually, but it's dirty load of cheats because they're only made of plastic. I want a real one. You gonna buy one? Well, I suppose so. If no one gives me one. What do you think of the beautiful scenery at the museum? Mountains look all right. Looks like the moon. <laughs> What's that, John? Looks like the moon from here. Hey, listen, what about the X-raying at Sydney Stadium? Uh, well, nobody threw any of us, I don't think. Oh, yeah. They fried them first. Yeah. <laughs> Ringo night. says he wishes they'd fried them first. One night, somebody threw one. I said, we didn't know, actually, till we got off. There was a bit of egg on my trousers. But they stopped throwing them by the time we got on. Anyway, we had people posted, so we... As soon as they threw them, we were going to get them dragged on stage and smash eggs all over the place, all over them. What did you say, Ringo? No, we smash eggs all over them. Now, Paul, uh, you were given a kiwi, a very large one. How do you feel about it? Was it a kiwi or an emu or what? That was a kiwi. That was what you wanted to see. Yes, true. Well, I've seen it now. We're going to take it around with us, you know, in New Zealand. I love those big things. What about the tikis? You, what, you, they told you all about tikis? Yeah, something... Uh, Little gods, aren't they? Very nice. Not as good as that kangaroo you gave me, though. Thank you. What about what about Sydney? Did you like the reception? I loved it. Knocked out completely. Wellington, Auckland and Dunedin all got the Beatle treatment over the course of a week. And the Beatles noticed some differences between their New Zealand audiences and their Australian cousins. How are your opening performances in New Zealand? 
they, they were very different from Australian, you know, because Australians, I think, are much wilder people anyway, you know. It's very exciting to play a show in Australia. But here, it was a different kind of thing, you know, because they're all very conservative. It was okay, though. I mean, it, you know, nothing to complain about. They, yes, mind you, the New Zealand people thought it was wild, but, you know, I don't think you would would have thought it was, you know, comparatively speaking. Yet, outside the hotel later, at about 11 o'clock when you made your appearance, they were quite wild, weren't they? Yes, they seem wild from a distance. When you get near it, it was a quiet them down. Now, they're good, you know, but compared with most other places, they're very quiet. A number of girls who uh, burst through the cordon right at the end of your second show. Yeah, oh, that was that was exciting, you know. It's a, it got a bit exciting towards the end of the second one. Uh, we were hoping they'd be up on stage dancing and things, but uh, police got them back, you know. We've read, since we left Melbourne, that the Southern Cross Hotel has cut up the sheets in which you slept and given them to orphans. Yes, well, it's a good idea, I think, you know, I mean, at first I thought it was a daft idea, but as soon as they said, you know, that it's going to a good cause and they're selling it to help all the orphans and things, uh, you know, I thought, good idea, that, good idea. Well, now, finally, the Vienna Boys Choir is in town. Oh, yeah. you must go and see them, must go. I've heard they're a rave. I believe they're wild, man, you've got to watch it when they're on. Hey, they don't off, but they blow up a bit of a storm, yeah. those fellas. Oh, no, they'll have Have you heard shaking their heads, seen them? I've oh, seen them, yeah. Go mad, they do. Vienna yeah. Boys Choir Mania. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a minute, John. Vienna Boys Choir Mania, I'd call it. Any special message for Australia? Yeah. Yes. Hello, <laughs> 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 oh, Australia. There's a, there's a good one. Can't wait to come back to Brisbane. Yes, oh, yes. can't wait to see Brisbane. Keep the sunshine. The sunny climate. See you then. Yeah, I hope there's more people in this over here. I think there is. I think there is. How many does it hold in Brisbane? But why are you looking at your tape for? We've plenty of time. It's <laughs> just running out. So about six thousand oh, in the well festival. Nice. I like a big crowd. I like man. a big I crowd too, oh. especially a big Brisbane a crowd. Big Bri Lovely. Lovely. Well, Bob, that's about it then. <laughs> Cheerio. See you then, Bob. Ta-ra. Thanks for calling. Ta-ra, Bob. See you again, Bob. Hey, Bob. Okay, Bob. Hey, Bob. See you again then, Bob. Hey, Bob. Okay, Bob. Right, Bob. Okay, Bob. After their trip to New Zealand, the Beatles returned briefly to Australia this time to the much smaller city of Brisbane, arriving just after midnight local time. The egg-throwing continued, this time led by a group of university students, one of whom is now a member of federal parliament. The Beatles played two shows at Brisbane's Festival Hall, thus bringing to a close their enjoyable four-week jaunt. Even though this first tour to the other side of the world was hugely successful, especially if judged by the levels of public receptions and packed concert halls they enjoyed, the Beatles would never tour Australia again. The closest they would come was their ill-fated trip to the Philippines in 1966, and it wouldn't be until Paul McCartney and Wings toured Down Under in November 1975 that Australia would see a Beatle play live again. Well, that's it for this episode. The Beatles' return to London marked the beginning of their promotion of A Hard Day's Night, which would have its premiere the following month, as well as a curious side project from John. Until next time...